Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves. It's what our moms tell people when the Apple event is studio. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. And I think what we need to do this week, Noah, to start off with is regret that we didn't set up uh, the soundboard yet because we're lazy, because I wanted to cue up just a quick little like round of applause sound after... Uh, I think a pretty successful leak week. I would say you're definitely deserving of an applause. See, now this feels very self-congratulatory and I want to immediately move on. But, um, (laughs) yeah, so, so what exactly happened? Well, last week on the podcast, I teased you guys with, with some leaks I was working on. And then on Monday... I I published it all, and I mean, I guess it's sort of up to you guys to, to determine, I guess, like, percentage-wise how close I was, but I think it was pretty solid, right? I had the shade of the new, the new iPhone in green. Nobody else had that, and um, the, the shade and I, the, the shade that Ian and I came up with was, like, really, really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, the purple was exactly spot on. But I guess that's not really impressive because we just we just copied that from the iPad Mini, which is what Apple did. So it's kind of hard to get that one wrong. Um, the other thing was the the studio display design that we came up with was, dude, it was identical. Yeah, it was identical. Even down to I said thicker bezels. That turned out to be true. Um, we didn't have a leak on it, but I was like, there's definitely going to be a webcam in this thing. It just made sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't remember if we put that in there as like a little detail. We didn't talk about it, but we're pretty sure that was going to happen. Uh, got the stand. Um, was surprised, actually, by the way, that you can get a version of the Pro Stand on it. That was interesting to see, but got the stand right, the dimensions, the back of it. Pretty, pretty darn close and and the mac studio very close as well a couple of details like the vents and the biggest one was we thought the top was polycarbonate it ended up being essentially the same as the mac mini but apart from that everything was 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 spot on which was very stressful for us on tuesday when we were covering the event yeah but it all it all paid off it was uh it was very impressive yeah Oh man, and and I mean, so much has happened since since we were last here. I mean, we had the those leak bombs, and then pretty much all of them coming true, and then didn't even care about that once we got the M1 Ultra, and we were like, "Holy mackerel, yeah. this thing is bananas, dude! What a time! What yeah, a that time! Was, that was a pretty." A pretty crazy event and it was still you know because we discussed this last time uh you know as much as rumors and leaks may spoil some of the fun there was uh it may or may not depending on how you feel about it there was a lot of stuff mm-hmm. there that we did not know about and that was very exciting especially the m1 ultra yeah and i have to say i don't know maybe it's because i'm like sort of in the industry 
but uh, for me, the leaks add like a little bit of, they add a little bit extra to it, right? Because I mean, so, so the thing is the leaks never, ever, ever tell the whole story. Never. Uh, even if you get every single detail, like the iPad Air, we knew every single feature in advance. We knew that it was going to be purple, that it was going to have an M1, that it would have center stage, that it would have um, 5G. Even then, you still get to enjoy Apple's presentation, and you get you get these like weird leaks that don't make a lot of sense because we don't have Apple's justification. So then they say it, and you're like, oh, okay. That's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's so interesting is because with the leaks, you get the headlines without without a chance for, you know, understanding what what the justification behind it is. And so then the event still fills in that, like, why the heck is there an M1 in the iPad Air? Yeah, that's very true because I was a little bit surprised that they put the M1 in there. Because honestly, right, the M1... The fact that they're putting the M1 in there is really marketing more than anything else, right? Because, you know, the M1 mm-hmm. is, is a Mac chip and there's the A series and they're all they're all Apple chips and they're all, you know, similar. And, you know, when you talk about an iPad, uh, especially, you know, an A chip versus an M chip, how much of a difference it's going to make, right? So it's, it's, it's really about yeah. the marketing. But then when you see the event and you see the angle that they take with the product, you know, then it's exactly what you're saying. Then you understand why they did it you know, the way that they present the product. Exactly. And we had that, I, I think, I mean, the, the green iPhone, the purple iPad, those are, those are frankly not as interesting products. I'm going to be having coverage of them because, I mean, iPhone SE is a very important product for Apple now. And I have a lot of thoughts on this particular update. Same with the iPad Air. Having an M1 at that price point, is completely new. I mean, you, the Mac Mini is more expensive than that, and so you're getting an, an entire functioning computer with all of its input devices as well, with this iPad for a hundred dollars less. Very interesting. But by far the most interesting was the Mac Studio, and that's not just because I'm imp- that's not just because I'm partial to the Mac, but I mean we had this leak where I was saying okay. This is going to be the same footprint as a Mac Mini, 7.7 by 7.7, but it's four inches tall. Now, I was rounding very accurately, I might add, because uh, it was like 3.79 inches tall. And the big question that we were talking about is, what's in there? Because I believe, Noah, we were talking about this just last week, um, how... If if the M if the Mac Studio had just been M1 Max, it didn't need to be so big, because it just doesn't need that much cooling. Right. And so we, I mean, we were talking about the naming of the event, peak performance, and we correctly said, not as a leak, but as as just, you know, common sense, something big, is coming out, and and then we got M1 Ultra. And I think collectively, Noah, both of our jaws sort of hit the floor with that one. Yeah, that was, and again, it's interesting because we knew about that extra connector at the bottom of the M1 Max for a long time, uh, you know, and there were rumors that they were going to put two chips together. And obviously, you know, we called it M1 Max Duo 
uh, for a while. So even then, you know, we kind of suspected that it was coming. We didn't know if it was going to be this event, but we suspected it was coming. But still, just to to see them actually do it is just still really cool. It was it was very cool. Yeah, and the thing. So the thing that has really interested me is since the event, we have started to get leaked benchmarks because as usual apple sends some stuff to reviewers reviewers forget that they're using a device that's connected to the internet and stuff gets uploaded (laughs) which happens pretty frequently now i want to talk about the cpu because i think this could give us a lot to be excited about um not just in terms of like the performance of this thing but from like a uh, like an achievement of technology perspective because the m1 ultra is taking two full system-on-a-chip processors and putting them together with an interposer and a silicon bridge and saying, hey, this is one thing. And that hasn't really been done before. I mean, you could buy dual-processor Mac Pros back before 2013, that update, but those were still separate distinct processors you could buy multiple graphics cards and sli them together but those were distinct graphics cards i have a trash can mac pro which has dual amd fire pro d700 graphics and in certain software applications it can leverage both of those but some can't and so one of those graphics boards ends up just sitting there if it's not optimized but what they've done with m1 ultra is it's not software that's combining them. They are hardware, a single device. No one has ever done that before. And that is really, really impressive. Yeah, that was that was uh, very cool. And that was something that Apple made a big deal about in the presentation. They were talking about, you know, they didn't just take two chips and, you know, connect them together or bridge them together somehow. They actually, you know, make them appear as a single chip uh you know down at the hardware level so that it appears that way to software and they made a big deal about how that means um you know that programs don't have to be rewritten to take advantage of you know having two separate processors because to all of the programs it looks like there's just one and uh you know that's that would you know definitely help obviously with the existing software that can just take advantage of that no no extra work needed and one of the one of the benefits for that, not just from writing software, uh, but from performance, is so far indications are so far it seems like the scaling has been done quite well. And uh, we've got someone in chat saying that CPU Monkey has Cinebench R twenty three numbers and they have them at twenty three thousand five hundred and sixty six. And that is interesting because a couple of days ago, after the event, we got the first leaked Geekbench numbers at 24,000. And I actually did a little bit of napkin math. And essentially, I worked out that I think Apple used Geekbench numbers as their event graphs, Mm -hmm. which is sort of laughable. And really diminishes the credibility of whatever they say when they talk about Apple Silicon. Um, so 
Here's how I got to that conclusion, if, if you missed the video. Basically, when you look at um, Apple's comparisons, they're not labeled, they're very vague. But, crucially, I noticed that when they pulled up the M1 Max, they said that it was 40% faster, or uh, they said that it was on par with a Core i5-12600K the most popular uh, desktop chip. That's what they. That's how they phrased it. And that was very curious to me because we know that not to be true because we already have the M1 Max out in the wild. And unless Apple's pumping more power into it, which, spoiler alert, they're not, it's not really feasible that it would be that much faster. Um, and so... In reality, as it turns out, an M1 Max, at least in a 16-inch MacBook Pro with good thermal headroom, and by the way, an M1 Pro as well, because of course the CPU is the same, scores 40% lower in Cinebench R23 compared to a 12600K. That's background knowledge. Fast forward to like a minute later, they say, hey, guess what? Also, when we make this into an M1 Ultra, we're beating... A Core i9-12900K by about 25 to 30%. And I'm thinking, that's that's a, that's a weird. That I don't know about that. Um, because the 12900K is a beefy boy. And you know what's curious, Noah? Is when we got that leaked uh, Geekbench score, something clicked. Because... Apple said that the M1 Max was ever so slightly higher than a 12600K. If you go and look in Geekbench uh, right now, you will find that the, the M1 Max or the M1 Pro score 12,750 or so. And the, 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 the Core i5-12600K is about 12,710 couple, maybe 100, 200 points lower. Very, very close, but lower. When you look at the leaked score that we got for the M1 Ultra, it is 33% higher than the average score for 12900K. The exact same margin that Apple had in their graphs. And so, guys, I think that they're using Geekbench, which is not the best indicator of performance in all honesty also rip your wall panel yeah um <laughs> i'll fix it in a second but that that is uh that is interesting uh it, it definitely the numbers line up and when apple is as vague as they are you can only guess but i would say that you made a very educated guess um, and that's probably the correct guess, mm. but I think, uh, you know, it might be worthwhile because first of all, obviously benchmarks, any benchmark is not going to tell the full story. You know, it depends on mm. what kind of, you know, work you actually do can determine, you know, different, different workloads have different performance. And obviously benchmarks are to some extent, synthetic, some extent, uh, synthetic, um, and, and, uh, maybe not fully accurate, um, but why is it such an issue? <laughs> They're dropping like flies here. Yeah, well, luckily, see, these are the two 
there's two of them that I re-taped and they haven't fallen off yet. I didn't get to the other four, but I will get to them after this. Mm. But um, is there is Geekbench specifically a bad uh, benchmark for overall performance or is it uh, more of just like, you know, not being holistic and just looking at one source? Where, where do you think the real problem lies there? Um. I mean, different benchmarks are going to test different strengths and weaknesses of different processors. Apple Silicon excels in Geekbench. Um, but one one really um, common criticism is that Geekbench isn't particularly taxing. It doesn't max out a CPU for an extended period of time, so it doesn't really test the longevity. So that's why in the Intel days... Apple had very good Geekbench scores, but then in Cinebench, they'd fall apart because they couldn't maintain that performance. So Geekbench doesn't really tell you a whole lot about that. It's a quick burst, and it's it's good because it is uh, widely comparable. You can test your your iPhone and your super-built $10,000 desktop on the same scale, which is nice. But stuff like Cinebench is better for endurance testing, and so... By my calculations, what I said in the video was, on average, you can knock 40% down compared to, to Intel if if we look at the 12600K. And, and they basically said, okay, it's the same in Geekbench, but in Cinebench, Apple Silicon's 40% slower. So if Apple says that the M1 Ultra is 30% faster than an i9-12900K, we can assume it's about 10% slower. When I uh, made a video talking about this, I used a very high estimate for the 12900K, and when you knock 10% off of that, it was within 100 points of exactly double the M1 Max's Cinebench score. So I think that's a very credible assumption to make. Now, with this, the, the, the CPU Monkey score that they just brought up of 23,600. I actually have built the system that Apple compared the M1 uh, the M1 Ultra Mac Studio 2. I built it. I've got it all put together. And I get about 26,000 without any sort of overclocking or, you know, beefy coolers, just a normal build. And I have a feeling that if you take 26,555 and take 10% off of that, you get 23,899. That's almost exactly what this person just put in chat. So, there you go, folks. That's some pretty that's some pretty credible uh napkin math if you ask me. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty good. I think it's it's definitely interesting because now we're we're at a point where we can make better estimates, you know, even, you know, mm. obviously, you know, if there's leaked, uh, leaked numbers, that's very helpful. Um, but, you know, now we've seen M1, M1 Pro, and M1 Max, right? And we have, we, and we've seen them in different form factors as well. You know, if you look at the, at the M1, for example, we've seen it in the Mac Mini, and we've also seen it in laptops. We've seen it in a laptop with a fan and without a fan. So we have a very good idea about how that performs. And, uh, and you know, we've seen some of the, uh, the other chips as well. So you can, you can kind of make uh, some, some estimates. And I think that'll also make, uh, when we get into M2 and beyond eventually, I think that'll also make it 
very in a very interesting discussion um you know to extrapolate mm. and uh there's another good point here about benchmarks uh accuracy whether they should be used real world world performance so um i i think benchmarks are useful having standardized comparisons for certain tasks is necessary for knowing how things are going to perform but what i like to do is mix synthetic benchmarks that are broadly available and give you an idea of how things stack up you know regardless of specific cases what i'm also going to be doing in my coverage starting on friday is running uh repeated real world tests so taking a real world performance metric and making it into a comparable test those I think are the most valuable. Like right now I've got this absolute crusher of a test where essentially what I'm doing is taking two 4K 60 FPS uncompressed 10-bit streams and putting them together, putting color correction on each of them and rendering them. So that's effectively 8K 60 FPS 10-bit, 30 minutes of that. That's a monster uh, the file itself is 50 gigabytes, and if you export that in ProRes, it's 300 gigabytes. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is a monster of a file. And I will already tell you, having tested on the M1 Max and my $10,000 iMac Pro. Um, actually, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give uh, Chat and Noah a chance to guess. I've already done the test on. The M1 Pro 14-inch, the M1 Max 16-inch, and the iMac Pro. And I will now reveal to you what the export times were. So I, I will give you the iMac Pro, and I want you to guess the M1 Max, all right? iMac Pro took 35 minutes and 5 seconds to export this 30-minute clip, which is ProRes... 300 gigabytes, 60 FPS, 4K. How long do you think it took the M1 Max, Noah? So it took 35 minutes. And five seconds. 35 minutes and five seconds. Well, let's see. I mean, the M1s are going to be a lot faster at uh, at exporting with the those uh, media encoders or media engines or whatever they are. Oh, geez. I don't want to overshoot but uh i don't know maybe how about how about 15 minutes cut it cut it in half about okay that is interesting because there's a lot of people that are saying uh someone said 30 minutes for max someone said 15 10 15 16 the actual result was five minutes and 27 seconds Jeez, I was kind of expecting that it was going to be crazy, but like, yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. It's absolutely bananas. And that's just the M1 Max. I think you could probably have that again once you get to M1 Ultra. I think we're going to be talking in the two to three minute range. Yeah, so now I'm wondering, nuts. was the Pro closer to 10 minutes then so here's the weird thing 
you would think that, wouldn't you? But in reality, 5 minutes and 27 seconds was the max. The Pro, 7 minutes, uh, sorry, 5 minutes and 36 seconds. It was 9 seconds slower. Hmm. So, do we expect diminishing returns? Hopefully, it's it's a significant difference. I mean, you're spending two thousand more dollars, um, but I think a lot. I think what this tells us really is that a lot of the work is being done by those encoders. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and it's not it's not pushing the. I mean, on the iMac Pro, when doing the render, which by the way, the render took thirty four minutes, and on the M1 Max, the render took fourteen minutes and fifty seconds. Um, in both of those cases, the iMac Pro is screaming with huge fans, tons of heat. The MacBook Pro, cool to the touch because it's got those dedicated media encoders on it. Um, And that's another reason why real-world tests are important because if you look at Cinebench R23, the M1 Max, 12,370, iMac Pro, 16,755. So you'd think, oh, well, there you go. iMac Pro is faster. But it's not. So that's, you know, that's that's why we got to keep all of that in mind. Yeah, and that, I, I'm wondering, like, I'm trying to think of the explanation. I'm assuming, uh, so is it correct that the M1 Pro has two media encoders and the Max has four? Is that the right numbers? I believe that is the case. Uh, and that is why... It's a little weird that they're so close. Um, in in fact, in DaVinci Resolve, which I did a, another 30 minutes 4K 60 10-bit export, that was 7 minutes 35 on the Max, 7.43 on the Pro. So again, 8 seconds. That's interesting. So I'm wondering, because you mentioned it was two streams of video. I wonder if it's just putting one stream per media encoder and it's not trying to like parallelize it at all it's possible i mean with the export uh theoretically it's only it's not exporting two separate streams it's already rendered them into a single feed true so theoretically i don't know it it is interesting i noticed that in my initial test where the m1 max um wasn't returning a ton of differences but i think that I, I I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the same in the case of the Ultra because when you look at the M1 Pro to the M1 Max, you're talking about a difference of 16 GPU cores in terms of CPU GPU right. The CPU is the same GPU. You have 16 extra cores. When you're talking about the M1 Ultra, doubling both of those, so double the encoders, double the neural engine double the graphics, double the CPU. If there's not a ton of difference there, I'm going to be sorely disappointed because I spent five grand. Yeah, I think at that point, it would come down to like a a software limitation that hopefully could be, uh, you know, improved. But like, but that's definitely true that you get, uh, you get more CPU cores, uh, you know, going up to the ultra and that, would definitely make a big difference in a lot of tasks. Uh, yeah, and Ian's actually talking even here about Octane X, which is a a newly released, very optimized Apple Silicon app. 
And this one, I am, this is where, uh, uh, this one uses GPU cores, right? So the, the encoders aren't helping out too much. We're relying on the GPU. So then 14 inch took 13 minutes and 30 seconds uh, with the M1 Pro, the M1 Max, seven minutes and three seconds. So there's where you're seeing, you have twice the GPU cores, you're getting half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where we can see these differences in like what parts of the SOC are are being worked here. And so I'm trying to get as much variety in what is being tested so that we can see various applications. Because Apple Silicon isn't the same as, as uh, you know, it, raw horsepower isn't the be-all, end-all. If you're doing Final Cut Pro, then Apple Silicon is like your best dream ever because it's literally built with essentially final cut pro built into it yeah (laughs) like it doesn't get any better than that it doesn't matter if it's like you know we're talking about we're talking about um a cpu that in raw horsepower terms is objectively faster but in final cut pro terms is six times slower my goodness yeah, it's uh, it's interesting stuff. And so just to, you know, go back to the uh, sort of beginning of the discussion about, you know, benchmarks, are they good or are yeah. they bad? Uh, a single benchmark on its own is not super useful. Obviously, you know, it's yeah. very easy to, uh, you know, get a number for, for each computer and say, oh, this number mm-hmm. is bigger, uh, but this number is smaller, and, and therefore this one's better or worse. And that's, you know, not necessarily you know if you're talking about gaming and you're talking about pcs maybe that can be helpful but for the productivity tasks that people care about with max not as helpful but when you have a bunch of them together and uh and you can look at all the different aspects of the chip and uh and you know weigh them up uh with each other then it, then that's when it becomes useful and you know that's basically Absolutely. what we've just said and i mean you can look at that um ian here in the chat obviously does a lot of 3D rendering. Hence the leak that we just did a, a week ago. And in Blender, Apple Silicon sucks. Sucks. <laughs> I did the Blender uh the Blender BMW render, all right? I did that on the M1 Max and it took two and a half minutes. I did that on my RTX 3090, which you'd think, okay, that's faster, right? We know that an M1 Max can be sometimes equated to maybe a, a, a 3060 Ti desktop. That's what Apple compared it to. So you'd think, all right, how much faster do you think it would be? Two and a half minutes down to minute 30? Yeah, sure. Seven seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took seven seconds compared to two and a half minutes. And yet, in Octane X, Ian is saying that his base model double binned M1 Pro with the 8-core CPU and the 14-core GPU has better viewport performance than an RTX 3080. Like, it, we live in a very weird time where it's not all about horsepower. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. It's uh, it's it's really about the software optimization. Like, it's cool, you know, you, you get one of these Macs and you can run all kinds of different software. Rosetta 2 is, you know, super awesome because it's bridging the gap while people port 
their software over. But even if you just you know build for Apple Silicon, obviously it'll be faster than Rosetta. But if you can really take advantage of those core technologies and you know get down into the metal and really optimize and parallelize and all of that stuff, then you can get some pretty crazy performance. So if you if you know how to use it, then it's uh, very powerful. And the fun part is that um, it costs an in, in, inordinate amount of money, and I think we've delayed it enough at this point. We got I gotta calculate how much this week has cost because it's Noah. I'm gonna need to take out a loan. Not actually, because that would be uh, unwise. But I mean, let's—I don't even know what my total, what the total damage has been. Uh, so let's just run through what I bought. So to start with, as I always do when there's a new Mac, I bought the cheapest one. Mm-hmm. I always buy the cheapest one because I always maintain that the cheapest one gives you the best value. Now, obviously, in this case, right, the M1 Ultra is the big headline, so I got two of those. Um, but the cheapest one getting an M one max for $2,000 almost certainly is going to be a really interesting price point. Even if the performance isn't new, um, definitely going to be testing that. So that was 1999. And then of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using my iMac pro. I, I actually held off from the switch to, uh, Apple Silicon purely because, one, I didn't want to interrupt my workflow, and two, I don't like, you know, a docked laptop desktop thing. It, it didn't make sense. I needed a real powerhouse Apple Silicon desktop to replace my iMac Pro, and we got it, and I paid up for it. I paid uh, $4,999 because I got the M1 Ultra with the 64-core GPU, which is $1,000. <sighs> it's a lot of money yeah. just for just the extra GPU cores, 1000 bucks. Oh wow! Yeah, you don't get any. You don't get more RAM or CPU or, I don't know. That's that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. But then, I'm also planning on getting a third, trying to get it in store pickup, with the 48 core GPU. So that's the uh, the three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollar model. And honestly, depending on what happens. Maybe I'll, I don't know, maybe I'll keep that one. Hmm. I hadn't really considered it. I was like, oh, I got to keep the best. Could also save $1,000. That's true. Yeah, it'll depend on uh, how they perform. So then I also got a studio display because I had to, obviously. Of course. Um, you got to have the aesthetic, right? I can't have a Mac Studio sitting down here with some other brand display. That's ridiculous, okay? So, 15.99 for that. No stand upgrades, no uh coding, no uh what do they call it? The nano texture? That's the one. None of that. 15.99, which I think is too much. We can talk about that in a second. Yeah. Oh god, I've looked at the number and I'm not even done yet. Uh, so then I spent what is it, five ninety nine for the iPad Air? Yeah. And then f- uh, four twenty nine for the iPhone SE. Yep. 
Oh. Oh no. $13,624. Oh, jeez. Kill me. That is... I also just did the math uh, for myself. This is, yeah, this was, yeah, rub it in. That was the amount that I spent uh, on this Apple event. And and also, Ian pointed out, now add taxes. Yeah, that's that's before taxes. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. So, um, small favor to ask. Whenever, whenever you see sponsors in my upcoming videos, click the links. Engage, <laughs> please. Yeah. Someone said that's what I paid for my car. You could get a very nice car for thirteen thousand dollars. Even now, when cars are overpriced. Oh God! Yeah, that's. Uh, that's and then and then they have the audacity to use an ad blocker. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't believe that. You see, this is why we. I had this whole this whole thing. Didn't we do like a whole? We talked about it on the podcast. How I had like a a, a little rant against people that use ad blockers mm-hmm. or complain about sponsorships or whatever. Like that this is that's proving my point. I'm spending people are like, "Oh, you're making money off of us." Right? And okay, cool. That's how businesses work. Yes. Congratulations on uh figuring out the most basic and fundamental uh tenet of life. But I don't know. I mean, am I am I purely am I just sitting at back here raking it in if I'm spending $13,000 pre-tax to make content? Like, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to sound like I'm doing charity work here. <laughs> like, you know, it's not it's not that deep. But when people are like, oh, I can't be bothered to watch 30 seconds of a mesothelioma ad before watching your video, I'm sorry, but I don't have any sympathy for you at all. None. That's just That's just my take. And if you think I'm being unreasonable then I invite you to not watch my videos anymore because, I mean, clearly you're not giving me any money anyway, so you might as well go away. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm sorry. It's it's harsh but true. That is – that's fair. I mean, I personally have uh, YouTube Premium because – So do I. I like – like part of it is the picture-in-picture picture and locking your phone and the, the video still plays. And I kind of feel like that should be available to everyone. Uh, but definitely part of it is um, the way I see it is, uh, you know, if, if you have money, if you have enough money, then your time is more valuable. And so, you know, if I pay, what is it, like $15 a month for YouTube mm-hmm. Premium, but I, I watch a lot of YouTube uh, videos and it so saves me a lot of time and a lot of annoyance because you know the the pre-roll ads and mid-roll ads are annoying and so to me it's just worth it and i do it and i forget about it and i know that i'm supporting whoever i'm watching and and then i'm done yeah and to be honest folks it's really not that big of an ask right some people are like oh i i don't want to do i don't want to pay money for YouTube premium and I don't want to waste my time watching ads and I don't want 
to watch sponsors because they detract from the content. When in all of human history has content been this available? Never. Ever. I mean, when you look at cable, you got to pay and watch ads. What the heck? That's, I mean, that has been the status quo for 70 years. And then YouTube comes along and it's just very hard when you're on the creation side of something to suddenly be expected to do it for free because that just doesn't make any sense. So anyway, we don't need to get all back into that whole debate. But the point is, um, someone was saying like, oh, are you doing this for fun or are you doing this for cash? The answer is both, right? That's, I, that, isn't that what most people want to do? You want to, you don't want to, you're not going to do what you love for free. Like if you can, if you can make money off your hobby, isn't that a, a double, a double W, a dub dub? <laughs> yeah. Because you're doing something that you enjoy doing and what you enjoy doing supports you. That's the goal. If I, what, that's, like it or not, money is motivation. Not a lot of people are going to be willing to spend $13,000 with no return on that. Um, you know, credit where credit's due. If anyone on YouTube is you know, spending insane amounts of money and not making any money on their content and making great content. That's awesome. And I really respect it, but can't, can't do that. Sorry. Um, anyway. Oh yes. I, we wanted to, we wanted to look at that, that clip from Lou oh, later. Yeah. 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 That's it. This is a good time for that. So I think I've pulled up where it is. Hopefully we won't, have to like skip around too much and get messy audio here but i am curious um what people say they saw so here we have the stream i think that's pulled up correctly i've got closed captions on because you know readability so let's let's see let's see what we got here this this studio device some have rumored mm -hmm. mac studio renders surface ahead of tomorrow's peak performance Apple event. Well, performance does kind of sound, it does kind of sound Mac as opposed to mobile. You know what I'm saying? Like when you start talking about performance, M1 has been such a performance chatter. By the way, you still have desktop audio on over there. I'll never oh. not, I'll never not be able to hear it. Or, may, or, or maybe I'm maybe crazy. Maybe it's uh, Mo's mic. Is that better? How dare you, Mo, not yet your mic today. Show Mo's camera. Where okay, let's is the uh, phone? So <laughs> here's the render of uh, from from uh, our YouTube friend Luke Miani. Actually, I don't think I've ever met him, but he's a friend of a, a fellow YouTuber, mm -hmm. a part of the YouTube, the fellowship of the YouTube. Hey, there's me. I don't know if you knew that. You <laughs> yeah. were part of that, really? <laughs> Can I opt out? <laughs> it's true. It sounds dangerous, and it sounds like you don't know what you've signed yeah. up for. Yeah. Look, Noah, there we are, dark mode. Uh, I don't know, I'm singing Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's what I, ship of yeah. the Ring. What does it even mean? <laughs> oh, no, this, this freeze frame is oh, not flattering me. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I went too far. I went too much, yeah. Oh, this tea's working out for you. A little bit, yeah. It makes you happy. Sure, yeah. When skies are gray. Well, when you start talking about Lord of the Rings. Oh, no dear, how much I love you. 
Don't take There's my the picture again. away. This the worst freeze frame ever. Title. New Mac Studio and Display Design, all caps, exclusive, first look, exclamation point, March 8th, Apple event. And I see some purple RGBs in the back. You know what I've noticed here? Um, I got to pause for a second. So, I mean, first of all, oh, they like my setup. Nice, cool. Uh, it's always cool to see... I don't know. We saw our thumbnail there from dark mode on Lou later. I mean, how many subscribers does Unbox Therapy have? Like 15 million, something crazy like that. Yeah. So definitely cool to see to see that coverage. Uh, the thing that I noticed, I don't know how, but look down there. Uh, they've got the dislike button. Oh, yeah. And it's showing the dislike count. What the heck? They I didn't must... know that anyone was left. I think there's like an extension that like crowdsources that data, so they might have that extension uh, enabled. Really? Yeah. That is very interesting. I I just guess I. I it looks very much like the native um, YouTube element when that was still there. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, let's see. I want to see someone in chat was saying that they didn't know why it was so popular i want to hear that part yeah he's doing the whole thing he's officially a youtuber he's in focus the <laughs> another, background is not that, another that's, uh, good for you that's key for you youtube 101 yeah. man yeah a purple light in the back uh anyway so he teamed up with ian ian uh, i can't read Zelbo? it oh hey they got ian's name right okay cool and they came up with these renders because they believe that this is going to be our first look at the new Mac studio, this is going to obviously be a more powerful, a more powerful, small-ish Mac desktop computer, essentially. Mm. And it's a thing. All right. Well, there we have it. So, um, oh, I guess they had a power outage and then they came back to it. Nice and portable, as you mentioned. And it also seems like it would fit into a desktop well. There was an image that he showed in his video here where he has it next to uh, a monitor. Remember where that... Yeah, there you go. You know what I'm saying, Will? Like, looks no like a familiar image, huh? like, A guy like you could have a setup yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's so, very clean. Maybe this you is where they're going. You can hide it under your desk. There we go. Well, I didn't, I didn't get any... Um, I didn't really experience... I didn't, I didn't feel like there was any shade in there. No, so I that's think, that's good, I guess. I think they were uh, they were pretty nice overall. But yeah, that's always always cool to uh, to get a shout out like that. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, so so yeah, we got uh, more and more people are getting my name correctly, uh, which is always nice because I've I've uh, grown up having one of those. Uh, not that complicated, but easily mispronounced names. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you'd think that it wouldn't be too hard, but like I could see why people might mess it up. Hmm. Yeah, I got. I think the the worst that I've ever had was Manjani. Oh, interesting. That was a fun one. They sort of they sort of went incorrectly from the Italian to the sort of Spanish direction. Yeah, Siri triggered from that for some reason. Interesting. Not sure why. 
Oh yeah, look at this, Ian. <laughs> Wait, I'm behind on box therapy. Saw my renders. <laughs> Says Ian. Yeah. Uh, I think, and also Ian, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they also covered our our stuff um, on the MacBook Pro that we did last year. Like, I think someone someone had sent me a cl another clip where they tucked. I mean, that's why clearly Lou had remembered. You know, what, what they called me the what the YouTube friend or something. Yeah, and they said that I was doing the setup with the <laughs> camera in focus. Yeah. <laughs> So there you have it. I thought there was because um, someone called you Luke Miami. Who was that? Or is that just multiple? Um, I don't remember. I know. I know Quinn from Snazzy Labs um, called me Luke Miani or something like that. <laughs> he texted me afterwards and he was like, "I totally butchered it," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "You know, that's fine. It happens." Yeah. John Prosser always calls me Lucas Mianis or something. <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> it's an easily um, made fun of name. I, I, Noah, your name, I feel like, is fairly straightforward, right? Like, there's nothing really too crazy going on there. Not real. The only thing is some people, when I say my last name, Ruben, I always spell it because otherwise people think it's the sandwich, R-E-U-B-E-N. Oh, interest right same sound different spelling yeah so that one people don't pronounce it wrong but they do uh sometimes spell it wrong and the other thing that happens and i don't know if this is just me but like multiple times where i'll tell people my like full name and then they'll call me ruben they'll call me by my last name Has that ever happened to you more jokingly but i think so but like it's it's happened like, to me not more strangers. times than I can remember. Are you talking about strangers? Yeah, like people that I don't know. Like they think my first name is Ruben or something. I, I don't I don't know. But it's happened a few times more than I would I expect. I feel like Ruben. Yeah, Ruben can can be a first name. Yeah, I guess it could be, but it's not mine. <laughs> that you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong people i'll tell you what people people don't ever call me miani but they always say oh is that short for lucas <laughs> yeah. and i am here to say on the record officially it is not my full legal name is luke it's not a nickname so there you have a it. birth certificate for that yeah you want my social security card too just yeah. to be like extra transparent that would be great yeah sure so it's going to be six nine that's my social security number. It's 69. You got one of the early ones. Uh, yeah, I was actually the 69th person. Wow. Ever. That's impressive. Not a lot of people know that. Very impressive. I was... Someone here... Look at that. Someone knows a Ruben. Yeah, I know a Ruben too. Yeah, that's... That's a classic. Someone mentioned the, uh, you know, the the Bible jokes like uh, like the flood. Uh, yes, I've mm. gotten those before. Um, there is We're a good both one. rather biblical, actually. Yeah, Luke both and Noah. Them. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely gotten that before. There is a good uh, super chat. Someone said Luke Shaomiani. Oh no, that's <laughs> I, I, that's a yeah. good one. There we go. That is a that is a good one. I'll, I gotta hand it. I got to hand it to him. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times people just call me Luke Miami. Like, they, <laughs> they just don't see the, diff- the that it's an N. Man, if Florida didn't exist, I would be much better off, <laughs> is my point. <laughs> there you go. I'm not going to say anything too controversial there for our friends in Florida, but yeah. <laughs> I will. I hope it floats off into the sea. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, it, it's very, very low chance of it actually floating. It seems more like a sort of overcome by the sea thing, but that's more of a global warming and less of a judgment. You've lost another wall panel, I've noticed. This one, there we go. It didn't fall all the way down. Actually, these other two are, they're leaning against the light. There you go. See, they were leaning like that. Oh. There's the light. So Look we're down that. to we're it's, down to and three. now it looks really good. We're down to three. These these are the two. These top two are the ones that I did, and they're both still up there. So I I I do believe that next week they will all stay up there once I get them all. Retaked. See, I like how I like how we were just watching uh, Lou later, where he films from like the freaking bat cave, and here <laughs> we are. With your falling down wall panels every yeah. single gosh dang week. Have we had a single week since you've been at that setup where a wall panel hasn't fallen off? Oh, I don't know. The first couple of weeks, it's fine. And then the tape starts going. And I have to say, because people were talking about it, look at look at this tape. It is, it's Gorilla Tape, right? Like Gorilla yeah. Glue. It's Gorilla Tape. It's double-sided tape. It says smooth and I know this is horribly out of focus but it says smooth and rough <laughs> surfaces at the top this is a rough surface behind me it's like a weird popcorn kind of wall popcorn not, wall i don't know if, i don't know how much it's popcorn but it's a weird maybe it's plaster or something i don't know but it's it's a rough wall this says rough surfaces right and mm-hmm. i've and i put Does like that. a bunch look at look at how many pieces of tape i put on this thing it's like 10 yeah, that's a that's a hefty amount, and that so that still fell, falls off, and you push it like into the wall. Yes, I push all the pieces of tape into the wall, and uh, and it's so I just I just want to say I'm not complaining. I'm just saying for the people, uh, I just want everyone to know that I I am making an effort to keep these panels on the wall, but they are fighting me on it. Oh man, I think you know what Noah. I think we need some. I, I think we need some. Uh, when we do get some dark mode merch going, I think we need a wall panel. You know, that... I think what we need very simply is a T-shirt with that wall panel on it. <laughs> or maybe, or maybe, would it be funnier if the wall panel was like crooked and falling off the bottom of the T-shirt? If you could make that work, that'd be pretty funny. But I feel like this is the wall panels are. Uh... I'm just going like you know. At first, it was kind of annoying, but now I'm just I'm just going with it at this point. I mean, at this point, I think it's sort of become endearing. Yeah, it's part of the you know you you tune in, you see what we're talking about, right? And then a wall panel falls down, and you see we're down to three. You can place your bets: how many wall panels are going to fall down? Is this last one? There's one more that I haven't retaped. Is it going to fall down in the next three and a half minutes? I don't think so, but maybe some people do. The world is is always going to be arrested by uncertainty as long as those wall panels are there. It's Schrodinger's wall panel. 
when we are not live, the wall panels are both attached and detached. That is that that's actually because sometimes when I forget to take them off the wall, I'll and I know I've said this before, but I'll be upstairs like watching TV and I'll hear a loud bang and I'll be scared mm-hmm. for like half a second and then I'll remember, oh, it's just a wall panel. So they they are, you know, exactly. if I don't if I don't hear it fall down, uh, sometimes I don't. Then it's definitely uh, a Schrodinger's wall panel situation. It's. I mean, I think that this is 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 almost sort of like a. I think it's sort of becoming a pseudoscience. I don't know what your wall is made of, but I think it is a chemical compound hitherto unknown by glue giant Gorilla Glue. I mean, if if the the largest glue and tape distributor in the world hasn't been able to crack that wall, I think we've got ourselves sort of like a like an alien intervention type of thing get on our hands here. That's the only possible thing I could think of. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, it could it could be a a, a strange materials sort of situation, but I'm wondering if it's uh more of an interstellar situation. If you remember uh, the scene in Interstellar, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm sure everyone's seen it, but uh, but you remember the scene where the books fall off the shelf, right? Uh, in Murph's room, and at the end, you know, it's because it's uh, mm. what's his name, Matthew McConaughey's character is banging on the wall and pushes yes. the books down. I think that maybe uh, like my future self is trying to communicate with me through these wall panels. That's what I'm thinking. That's interesting. Someone someone could probably go back through and track the panels of the wall panels, like which ones fall off, and we could sort of build this narrative and I think probably crack the case with a sort of uh, like an, a, a Turing-style computing cracking the Enigma code to figure out what your future self is trying to warn you of. Maybe it's imparting Apple leaks unto us. That They just told us now, right in front of our very eyes, that the next Mac Pro is going to be powered by a jet engine. And we just have to have the, the 4D chess mindset to be able to recognize that. That's true. I'd be curious to know, you know, is the timing of when they fall off the wall important, right? Maybe we say something... And then a wall mm. panel falls off. Like maybe we just said something yes. really important. I don't know. So like if I were to say the next Mac Pro is going to be orange. Okay, so no wall panels fell off. Which means that what I said is either true or not true. Because we don't know... We're going to have to go back in time to figure out if the wall panels fall to warn of a lie Mm -hmm. or to confirm reality because we don't know yet. Exactly. We need to, we have to, we have to figure. And I think, yeah, I think if we go back far enough, we could, uh, we could, uh, we could figure out, you know, what's, what's going on here. Uh, Noah, you know what we should also go back to? Uh, What's that? Uh, we should go back to the time uh, when we weren't streaming live uh, for the podcast. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was a that was a yeah. good time. Yeah, and I think honestly we should go back to the future, which is us not being 
live anymore. I've been your host, Luke Miani. And I've been your host, Noah Rubin. Have a great night.